Welcome back to the Home Barista Podcast for Home Baristas with me, your host, Sean, aka Drummond Barista. Hi everyone and welcome to episode 2 of Coffee Break here on the Home Barista Podcast for Home Baristas. In today's episode of Coffee Break I want to touch on a question slash subject slash major pain point for many people in regards to pour over brews that I see bouncing around everywhere on social media and Reddit. That pain point is why does my coffee taste super acidic or bitter and how do I make it taste better? Allow me to take the next 15 to 20 minutes while you're enjoying a coffee or a nice cup of tea and try my best to answer this question in greater detail for you all. Ready to experience the perfect balance of sweetness and acidity? Great, let's dive straight into it. Welcome once again everybody to episode 2 of Coffee Break and let me be clear from the get-go that I'm going to be talking to this subject around pour over vessels. In the first section I want to talk about dark roasts. Now hear me, I'm not saying that dark roasts are bad because they aren't, but they do have a preference when it comes to the brew method. Now first and foremost if you are using a dark roasted coffee or one that is specifically roasted for espresso and brewing using any type of pour over vessel, now in my personal opinion please stop. Now sometimes these coffees prepared using a pour over can be good, but let's face it, most of the time they aren't going to be up to your standard. Now this is the first hurdle that you are falling down and one, once again in my personal opinion, that you will never be able to easily get over. Coffee that is roasted quite dark or specifically for espresso would express a lot more harsh and unpleasant flavors when brewed via a pour over using hot water. So what do I mean by hot water? water that is straight off the boil. So let me begin by giving you what I believe are my top tips and what I recommend to anybody who is using a dark roasted coffee with a pour over. Now to begin with, you wanna go less agitation during the brewing stage. Now what do I mean by that? What I mean is that most people will use a recipe that's either 15 grams of coffee followed by 250 grams of water with five times 50 gram pours, which we in the industry will call that a pulse pour recipe. Now, with a dark roasted coffee, because there's a lot more bitter flavors going on within the actual bean and the coffee itself, and with hot water, you're going to dissolve a lot more of that coffee, you want to bring those pours down. So I would recommend using a recipe that uses two pours. So you're doing one pour for the bloom and one long pour. Now keep the recipe, if you want to, the usual recipe that everybody uses, to 15 grams and 250. 50 grams of water, but just do a 50 gram bloom followed by a long 200 gram pour. Now I tell people to do this because what it does is that of course, as I've mentioned, it's less agitation of the coffee bed. So you're not going to be drawing out a lot more of those acidic and harsh flavors. And actually you're going to end up with a sweeter brew, which turns the dark roasted coffee into a more palatable cup of coffee for you to enjoy. Now touching on the water temperature here, um, and this is quite a big thing when it comes to uh, dark roasted coffees, the higher the water temperature, the more harsh and unpleasant flavors you will bring out of the coffee. And this goes back to what I was just saying about the um, agitation of the coffee bed. 
This is most common with dark roasts that are ground either too fine or are brewed with excessively hot water that dissolves a lot more of the grounds resulting in a cup of coffee that is over extracted. Once again goes back to bringing down the amount of agitation on the bed. A top tip here for your water is that hot water doesn't create the bitter taste. It just dissolves more of the bitter tasting compounds within the coffee that already exist, which leads me beautifully onto grind size. I've left this point till last in this section here because it is an important one and there's lots of different variables involved, but I will try my best just to touch on a couple that I know most people will see as a pain point. Depending on what grinder you have at home, the particle sizes can vary in size resulting in an uneven extraction of the coffee. Now this is more common in hand grinders. I say that because hand grinders tend to be built around the conical burr set, which is a very difficult set of burrs to get a consistent grind time and time again. I say that because these wear down a lot quicker than a flat burr or a proper burr set that is within a more expensive grinder. If you do have a hand grinder and you're not able to invest or spend a bit more money on more of the top end of the hand grinder market, then I suggest investing in a device that separates the grounds for you, allowing you to get more of what you need from the coffee grounds. Now this essentially is just like a little sieve. Now you may have a sieve at home that you use whilst you're cooking, please don't use this, it's completely different um, and what you'll end up doing is having a lot more of your coffee falling through the sieve and then you won't be able to brew that coffee so it's an absolute waste. Now these devices that we use in the coffee world come in the form of a crew or the fellow shake. You may have seen these hanging around Instagram and social media platforms as they became all the rage about two years ago and I have to say I recommend them highly. These will leave you with the correct size grinds that you need for the brew method that you have on hand. Burr grinders will give you a more uniform grind size resulting in less gadgets at home and also also an easier brewing experience. Now hear me guys, I understand that these are expensive, but if you have invested in good gear and good coffee, then why not invest in a good grinder for your bench at home that will help you get the most out of your delicious coffee that you buy. These are becoming more and more affordable and accessible nowadays through companies like Eureka and Niche, also, not to mention that they look super sexy on the bench and they're a fantastic conversation point for anybody that comes over, coffee professional or non-coffee professional. So in saying this, a rule of thumb I have is to always start by dialing in or brewing a coffee with a relatively fine grind. And I've said this multiple times before, making notes about the brew and how it tastes is key. Those notes are really key because you can come back to them time and time again. And also it's really great and a good sense of um, success as well for yourself to look back and to see how your palate is evolving and also how the coffee is evolving and your coffee brewing techniques. Then once again, once you've read your notes, making small adjustments coarser and then making notes again until you land on the grind size you think is perfect for that particular coffee. Now, moving on to light slash medium roasted coffees. A lot of what I've already said applies, but with a couple of differences, mostly in the processing slash roasting and then taste of the coffee in the cup. Light to medium roasted coffees are all the rage at the moment for many reasons. 
One of those being that they lend themselves well to farmers who are keen to experiment with different processing methods. You may have seen the name carbonic maceration and double fermentation floating around a bit lately. These are names of processing methods that in simple terms mean super wacky, fruity, complex and high acidity tasting coffees. These coffees usually showcase heightened fruity and tropical flavors with a deep red wine complexity. With red fruits, think strawberries, cherry, cranberries. With tropical flavors, think pineapple, banana, mango, and papaya. But to the everyday consumer who brews a coffee at home that uses one of those two processes will usually comment that they don't enjoy this coffee as it is too acidic, bright and wacky for them. This is because as humans, we are used to experiencing those foods slash flavors I stated in their natural form, which of course is food and those foods being cold. So when it is a liquid that is hot with a heightened experience of all the senses, due to it being hot, we get confused and comment we do not like it. Light to medium roasted coffees are the best for experimenting with lower temperatures, bigger doses and more agitation as they tend to be more forgiving, better roasted, cleaner and have better balance between sweetness and acidity. But in saying that, light to medium roasted coffees do come with their own challenges, of course. The challenges that you may face with a light to medium roasted coffee is that your brew is weak or watery. This happens when not enough of the coffee compounds have dissolved into the water. So in simple terms, it's under extracted. The water has flowed through the bed of coffee too fast and hasn't had enough time to hang out with the coffee and extract what it needs. The three main causes for this is that you are using too much water. So you have used 300 grams of water for 15 grams of coffee instead of the usual 250 grams of water. Trust me, it makes a big difference. Your grind was too coarse or the water you are using is not hot enough. I tend to stick to 85 degree water and that is probably the lowest that I would go if I was doing any kind of experiment with different water temperatures. Now, if after all of these experiments, your coffee still doesn't taste great, then this could actually be down to the coffee you are drinking and the way that it has been roasted. Now, from time to time, not all coffee is fully developed when it has been dropped from the roaster. And this is what we call underdeveloped coffee. You may have seen this term used in a couple of coffee blogs, a couple of social media posts or YouTube videos from people that talk about different roast levels and different coffee. Now, underdeveloped coffee means the beans aren't roasted for long enough to develop the rich, full-bodied flavor of the bean. It's not that common, but it does happen, which leads me perfectly onto my last point. Now, buy freshly roasted coffee from your local coffee roaster, not from the supermarket. I know you've heard that so many times and so many people say it to you, but it is it makes a massive difference. You are buying freshly roasted coffee that is straight from the roaster. It's been handled well, packaged well in the way that it needs to be. And it has not been sitting on a supermarket shelf for a couple of weeks or even, dare I say it, a couple of months. Ideally, the coffee that you buy would be no more than one to two weeks old, but up to a month is usually fine. 
Darker roasted coffee ages a lot quicker than light roasted coffee. So if you are buying darker roasts, I would recommend placing it in the freezer in an airtight bag or container. What this will do is that it will slow down the aging process and will give you a bigger window of time to enjoy the coffee at its best. Light roasted coffee, you can tend to leave it out for longer and it will stay fresh and full flavored. That is why light to medium roasted coffees are perfect for any kind of pour over or manual brew method. So there we go, guys. I hope that this episode of Coffee Break has been helpful and gives you the confidence to experiment a little bit more with your coffee at home. Don't be scared to try new things with coffee. You never know what you'll find. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure to hit the follow or subscribe button so you do not miss out on the next episode of Coffee Break. And in saying that, I will see you guys in the next episode.